Oh, boy. I just can't get away from that dude. <laughs> Every playlist Friday, Duke, he comes on. You, you, he's one of your top favorites. He's he. I would say you got your Brian Adams standard 745 break guys. Then you got uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. And then I would say your number three go-to guy or go-to tune is whatever is Car- yeah. karma. But, like, I can't name you a single other uh, culture club song. Um, but... I don't know. I don't understand your um, your distaste for I that hate song. That song, that song puts Just me in the it. best mood. It's so fun. <laughs> Red, gold, and green. <laughs> What's that mean? That's the lyric in the oh, song. Okay. All right. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Gord Oil says, Kevin Kane at center is as silly as the Taylor Hall debacle at center. No more Dallas Aikens, please. That comes from Gord Oil. Let me just throw this one at you, though, Gord Oil. What if someone told you, and okay, first of all, let's preface this by saying, I still believe, I still believe that Ryan McLeod will end up going back to being the third line center at some point. He's not going to stay where he is right now as the second line left winger with Leon Dreisaitl. So Gord Oil or Mike, how about this? How do you feel? Let's just go back 10 days ago, two weeks ago, and someone said, ah, yeah, two weeks. Let's go two weeks because Ryan McLeod was doing nothing. Very little anyway. What if someone said, Ryan McLeod is the answer as the second line left winger? You would have went, you are absolutely nuts. You're off your rocker. It's crazy. That's outlandish to say that. But now you're just fine with Ryan McLeod being an answer, not the answer, as the left winger on the second line. So getting back to Evander Kane, never at any point did I say Evander Kane was going to be the third line center for the rest of the year. I did say that he would he would have the ability to fill in if needed, do it in a pinch, Possible, you know, couple games here and there. Nothing wrong with that. Options, options. Coaches love options. Not saying it'll happen. All I did say is that I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he got a twirl at third line center. Maybe again, as we were talking earlier, Dylan Holloway comes back. Now that adds even more speed on a line a third line where you can figure out exactly the dynamic of that line, who you want on the right side. There are options. So, Gord Oil, Mike, again, we're not saying that Evander Kane will be the third line center for the rest of the year. In fact, it might not even happen at all. But it's an option. Uh, Duke, what else we got going? Do we want to run a little more Oilers sound here? Do we got uh, one more guy coming up or not? Uh, yeah, we have uh, still some audio we could play from uh, Darnell Nurse oh, um, yeah. uh, before getting into uh, our ski report uh, and then heading into um, Adam, Adam Burke. Burke. Yeah, sure. So have you got that sound for uh, Darnell up you and betcha. ready to go? So Darnell Nurse last night, we were talking about, again, the, the thing that uh, struck me again, and this is all game script because – uh, you know, all the players were just the, the 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 ice time on defense. Okay, 
Evan Bouchard, 21-51 last night. He was the highest. Matthias Ekholm had a whale of a game, too. Both guys were plus three. 21-49. Darnell Nurse eased the time back. Vinny Dar- DeHarnay played 17-17. Darnell Nurse only played 19-38. That had a lot to do with the how the game went. Penalty killing at the end of the game. Well, you know, there was a, a late penalty. Uh, but Brett Kulak played 20-44. You, as a coach, you could not ask for six defensemen playing the first of uh, three and four nights, all even, Steven, pretty well in the minutes played. Here's what Darnell Nurse had to say following the game. He had two assists, was plus two, uh, played 1938. Uh, here's uh, Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse. Let's come down here to the States and uh, get a big uh, 5-0 shutout and a um, quality win, and you guys are above 500 right now. How do you feel about the team's uh, progress at this moment? Yeah, I think it was big for us to come out of the gate uh, after a break and get a big win. Obviously, um, I thought we came out of the first period, played really well, and then uh, Stu made some huge saves down down the stretch for us to keep uh, the game where it was at. So it was uh, a good first one for us. Everything is going so well in your team's game right now, especially coming off those bounce-back efforts last week. Yeah, um, you know, just sticking to our game. I think when you look back at those two games uh, that we won in New York, we kind of just stuck to our game for a full 60 minutes. Uh, I thought uh, we probably could have done a better job of that on the defensive side tonight, but um, with all that said, um, I thought we, we locked it down uh, as, you know, as much as we needed to uh, to an extent, and, and Stu made some huge saves, like I said. Did you have the last visit here at the Shark Tank at the back of your mind as you kind of prepared for this hockey game? And is that the reason why you guys started off so hot? Yeah, I think obviously anytime that you you know you come in here and and you lose, um, you know, and, and it's a divisional game and obviously um, a big big trip for us coming off the break. Um, all those things kind of go and play a factor in, in the mindset going into the game. I thought uh, that's that really contributed to our start. You can almost kind of consider that game back in November is a low point in this season. What about the progression you guys have made since as a team? Yeah, I think obviously when you when you look back after that game, um, you know, the uh, the energy and, and, and whatnot of, of the guys was, was not at its highest point. I think you know, looking at it now uh, and, and where we've clawed our way to, I think uh, it's been a great, uh, great step and shows the resilience of our group. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you look at uh, the standings and where we are, and we still got a lot of work to do. Open-ended question, but where does resilience begin with the group? Does it begin with the coaches? Does it begin with the leadership group? Does it begin with management? Where does that start? Uh, I think it just boils down to the group in here. I think it's it's not something that you build in one season. I think you know, there's there's a, a lot of guys in here that have been around you know for the last three four years, and this isn't the first time we've we've you know been in a hole or, or found ourselves in a position that we weren't uh, happy with and, and found a way to work our way to the game that we wanted to play and I think that's uh, you know you don't want to put yourself in situations where you have to lean on that um, every year but it, it seems for us as a group you know when we get to that point we don't quit and, and we believe in ourselves. Just how big was scoring those four goals in the first period to come out and really step on their throats there? Yeah I mean it's, it's it starts really the um, you know it, Put some momentum in, in our favor, and it, it starts the game with, with a lot of people feeling confidence out there on the ice. And I think that's a big, uh, a big start. You know, when, whenever you're having the big start, especially coming off a break, is you know it's easy to to wade yourself into the game and um, you know you know not get on to the the start that you want. But for us to be able to come out here and and put up four in the first period, I think it really uh, set the tone for the rest of the game. So how gratifying is it to get an impressive win like this without McDavid scoring a goal? 
Oh, it's, uh, I don't think we really look at it like that. No, we, we just look at it uh, as wins and losses. I mean, we have some incredible players. I mean, you just you just mentioned one, and he uh, he scores more more nights than not. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's all about the the team game in here, especially at this time of the year. That's Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse. Uh, text coming in, one 1440 Gord Oil with the response. Actually, Kevin, I'd always liked the idea of Clowder moving up the lineup, so leave Kane on the wing on the third line. You lose... Uh, you lose physical, physically putting Kane at center, and I don't see him as a 200-foot center. From Gord Oil. Appreciate the text, Gord. Um, also... Hillman comes in and says, good morning, gentlemen. I can't wait to see how we play against a really good team in the Kings. I hope it's the same effort. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Pillman. I love, too, when Gordo, when he says, you know, clouder. I always think it should, like, it should be cloudy. And then someone else on his line, whoever it may be, should be sunny. You know, that, if I'm doing the nicknames in the room and say, I don't know, say there's someone like... Figure it out. Even someone sitting beside him in the room. Someone. Well, you're gonna. You're, hey, Sunny, Cloudy, Sunny. No? I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like instead of again, the long names yeah. shorter, short names longer. Yeah, I feel ya. <laughs> you. Want to do the uh, ski report, Duke? Ready to rock. All right. Here's the ski report with the Duke. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, December 29th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. New Year's Eve, just a few days away, and skiers and snowboarders can only hope we get a little more of the white stuff come 2024. But New Year's Eve at a ski resort can be about more than just the conditions as fireworks, parties, and, of course, the torchlight parade down the hill takes center stage. While many resorts do a torchlight parade at New Year's, the biggest of them all in Alberta, at least, is at Mount Northway in Banff. Due to its close proximity to the town site, the best place to see the parade is downtown Banff, making it the most watched torchlit ski in the province. Northway currently has all lifts open and 46 runs in operation. Louise and Sunshine, Banff's other two resorts, also with all lifts operating and the majority of runs open. Marmot Basin, all lifts operating with the exception of the new Knob Quad Chair, which is expected to be open in December, but looking like 2024 will be its day the Eagle East area in Marmot also still closed. Nakiska, 51 runs open, and down in Castle Mountain, the entire mountain open, but very marginal conditions, particularly in the high alpine. Throughout BC, all major resorts now open as Red Mountain and Rossland finally got their gates open for the season yesterday. Marginal early season conditions are unfortunately the norm in most Western Canadian resorts, so if you got some new equipment for Christmas, you might want to leave it at home for the time being. Around Edmonton, hills are open and operating on holiday hours, which might differ from their regular times. So check out each individual place's website before heading out for your last ski of 2023 or your first of 2024. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. Well, thanks very much, Duke. Solid effort as well. You know, you're just winging those off now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, child's, child's play, right, Kev? Uh, Crotch text in one 1440 It should be a top priority for the Oilers to trade for Sonny Milano. You got cloudy, you got sunny. What more can you ask for? Oilers in L.A. tomorrow, and this is the game that everyone's been waiting for for a, a little while. I mean, you come out of the break and San Jose is San Jose. What about that? Whatever it is. But uh, L.A., twice in the last two years, I guess, uh, you know, the Oilers beat 
the Kings in the playoffs, tough series. I mean, LA got off to a fabulous start this season, got off to an incredible start on the road where they set an NHL record for, for consecutive road wins in a row. So really looking forward. Eight o'clock game, Saturday night. It's going to be sitting around the tube watching that one. I think a lot of people will be doing uh, the same. When we come back, hey, it's bowl weekend, real bowl weekend, college football. Of course, on Monday, New Year's Day, we've got the two big, big games. We'll check in with Adam Burke from uh, Vizen Primetime to talk about that right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Dexy's on cue, Duke. Dexy's on cue. Also got a text in to 1833401440 from Hattrick Swayze. I'm chucking bales in the barn this morning. Can you add Tilsonberg by Stompin' Tom to your playlist? We'll do that later in the show, right, Duke? You found it. Uh, time now for the game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a saving of up to $14,000. Uh, we're going to do it a little differently today. We're going to kind of preview a few games of the day with Adam Burke from Vizen Primetime. Uh, Adam, uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning and uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year and happy holidays to you guys as well. Yeah, hopefully you're having a, a great holiday because it's been jam-packed with bowl games. Uh, I'm sure you've been probably watching, what, two, three, four a day. What We got four more today. Do you kind of feel that we're starting to get into it a little bit more, though, because you got some you know higher-profile teams and, and players, if they haven't opted out, uh, do, you, do you feel that right now? Yeah, that's a tough thing. I mean, yes and no. You know, you're getting some more household teams. You're getting teams that people are more familiar with, but also – the opt-outs, the transfer portal, they've really watered down a lot of these bowl games. So what you're going to see now in a lot of these games is you're going to see four- and five-star guys that are freshmen and sophomores. And, and by four- and five-star, I mean their recruiting rankings. Guys that haven't gotten a chance to play yet, that may be really, really good, but they were blocked by you know incumbent starters, guys that maybe had NFL futures, stuff like that. So there is a high degree of unknown, I think, with some of these teams over the next two, three days that – yeah, we just don't know what the backups are going to be capable of, but they are very talented players that were highly sought after in the recruiting process. Adam, is there in the last you know couple days or so, is there a game uh, that caught your eye a little bit more than the others? Even for games that are coming up, or games uh, just that just that, yeah that have been played. I'm just thinking yesterday. I mean, you know, I, Kansas State and NC State was sort of a closer game, and Arizona and Oklahoma uh, last night was you know a decent game to watch as well. Yeah, I think there are a few things. I mean, first of all, you know, you look at SMU and Miami, two teams that had to go up to cold weather locations. SMU, a team out of Dallas, mm-hmm. Texas, and then Miami, of course, from South Florida. They had to go up and play in Northeast baseball stadiums, and neither one of those teams looked excited to be there. Neither one of those teams played particularly well, even though SMU is probably a more talented team than Boston College, and Miami is definitely more talented than Rutgers. So, Those two bowl games yesterday were examples of how motivation is a really big factor in the bowl season because you had more talented teams from warm-weather cities going up to play in the cold, and they looked like they didn't want to be there. So that's something you want to keep in mind for future bowl seasons. But in terms of Oklahoma and Kansas State specifically, Jackson Arnold did a lot of good things for Oklahoma. He'll be the starting quarterback going forward since Dylan Gabriel transferred to Oregon. 361 yards, but three interceptions. And that comes with the territory with a young quarterback. A lot of good plays, but some bad plays and some plays that make you kind of scratch your head. Avery Johnson, same thing for Kansas State. He's more of a running quarterback, but 
know, a guy who took over for a longtime starter in Will Howard, and there were some good things, there were some bad things. So kind of underscores what I mentioned at the top of the segment here in terms of these teams that are going to go with guys that are very, very talented, but also very unproven going forward. Adam Burke with us on Sports 1440. Uh, you did touch on those two games uh, at Yankee Stadium in Fenway Park. Uh, just looking at the, the, the amount of fans in the stands, uh, and I was kind of looking at those games in particular, and mostly the, the Fenway Bowl, I, didn't, I thought the crowd was pretty low. Or, or Am I wrong, or what did you think? Yeah, especially when you had a team from Boston and Boston College, mm-hmm. you know, at least the Boston area. Uh, you know, in that Fenway Bowl. And then, you know, for Rutgers, same thing. You know, you had a team in that New York, New Jersey area, and attendance kind of sparse. So, yeah, that's another tough thing about these bowl games. I mean, not only do they get watered down by the transfer portal and, you know, casual fans who may say, oh, you know what, I'll go to the game, may decide not to because some of the star players are opting out. The other thing is, I mean, it's the holidays. You know, people are busy. They're doing a lot of things. Some people had to go back to work this week, you know, for a few days up until – you know, more holidays, more paid holidays with New Year's and all of that. So, yeah, a lot of these bowl games can be pretty sparsely attended. And that is one difference, I think, going forward here. These will be bowl games from here on out that, for the most part, will be pretty well attended because they're either schools that have large alumni bases or just games that have a lot more interest and intrigue. Adam Burke with us on Sports 1440. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty from one of our listeners. Uh, Corey would like some advice on today's Notre Dame game up against uh, Oregon State in the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. What do you think? Yeah, this is an incredibly difficult game because you have opt-outs and transfer portals all over the place here in this one. Both teams will not have their starting quarterbacks. Oregon State's quarterback actually, backup quarterback actually transferred out as well. Uh, it seems like Oregon State probably won't have their starting running back. He got arrested for a DUI, so I think he'll be suspended for this one. Notre Dame's starting running back also out. Notre Dame's top four pass catchers not going to play. Oregon State's top wide receiver not going to play. Both teams missing guys on the offensive line, including guys with potential first-round pick status in the upcoming NFL draft. So this is a brutal game to try and handicap, in all honesty. Uh, this total has come down to 40. A lot of people like the under in this game with two unproven quarterbacks and bad offensive line play. Uh, Notre Dame's a six-point favorite in this game, despite all the guys that they're missing. Oregon State also missing their head coach because he took the job at Michigan State. I think because you're expecting a low-scoring game, points at premium, I like Oregon State plus six a little bit. But I think the under, even now that it's down to 40, is probably the play in this game. Wow. You know, Adam, is there is there a solution for everything here with the opt-outs and the portal? I mean, it's just turned into the biggest story going um, because of all the guys that you've mentioned that are out and, and, and things like that. Uh, is, there, is, can there, is there a solution around this down the road in years to come or what? I, I honestly don't know. I mean... You know, now that you've got effectively free agency in college football, guys are getting paid to play with the NIL. And, you know, if you're a really good player from a group of five school, which is one of the smaller programs, a team out of the MAC, a team out of Conference USA, something like that, and you're really good, you want to go and get more exposure. You want to go and play against better talent. You're going to go to a Power Five school, one of the major conferences like the Big 12, SEC, something like that. So, Guys getting pilfered from those programs, that's just going to continue at a very, very high rate. And 
Anyway, guys don't want to get hurt. You know, there's a lot of money involved if you have NFL prospects, and the average NFL career is really, really short. So even though you're getting paid a little bit to play in college, if you have the opportunity to go to the NFL and make real money and, you know, make a huge change for your family, you're going to prioritize that. So I don't know that there's really a solution. I think there are too many bowl games probably at this point in time uh, because we've seen a lot of bad football throughout the bowl season to this point. But I don't know what the solution is outside of maybe, you know, changing the timelines with when guys declare for the transfer portal, changing the signing day deadline because that takes coaches away from the bowl prep and all of that. I think it's just you try to manipulate the calendar the best that you can to try and get as many of these games to full strength as possible. Yeah, uh, Adam Burke, uh, he's in primetime, our guest on Sports 1440. Out of the games uh, today, again, you got the Liberty Bowl, Cotton Bowl, uh, uh, and Peach Bowl. Um, sorry, that Peach Bowl's tomorrow. Uh, Liberty Bowl. Uh, uh, and is there anyone that's really catching your eye for for today's games that you're really keeping an eye on? Yeah, there are a couple actually. This game that kicks off in about a half hour, the Gator Bowl between Clemson and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We continue to see Kentucky money hit the board here. This one's down to as low as three now in some places. It was four, four and a half yesterday. Uh, a lot of money coming in on Kentucky. Clemson has a ton of opt outs. I think people are kind of worried about the state of the Clemson program because head coach Dabo Sweeney has been very adamant against paying players for a very long period of time. Just seems to complain about everything that kind of creates opportunities for players. And I think that message is is really starting to fall on deaf ears within that program. Also, he's been at odds with his offensive coordinator throughout the course of the season. So I think a lot of people are just kind of expecting Kentucky to be more buttoned up in this game. The other one is Missouri and Ohio State because this Cotton Bowl line has been a roller coaster. Initially, a bunch of money came in on Missouri. Then we found out that Ohio State's quarterback, Kyle McCord, was going to transfer to Syracuse. Line dropped all the way to the point where Missouri was a three, three-and-a-half point favorite. Now Ohio State is back to a five-and-a-half point favorite because a lot of the guys that people expected to opt out are not going to do so. They're actually going to play despite having NFL futures. So, Ohio State is much closer to full strength than people expected. Mm-hmm. Also, backup quarterback Devin Brown has looked really good in the bowl practice period. So people like Ohio State now at this point in time, and that line has gone from Ohio State minus 6.5 to minus 3.5 to mm-hmm. Missouri minus 3.5, now back to Ohio State a 5.5-point favorite. And if that doesn't illustrate the nature of the bowl season, yeah. I don't know what does. Hmm. Uh, Adam Burke with us on Sports 1440, Vizen Primetime. Uh, the game that's a lot, you know, we've had so many guests on in the last uh, week or so, but it, everyone seems to be going to the Peach Bowl and Ole Miss and Penn State. Uh, you, just your thoughts on that game tomorrow. Yeah, this is one where the line is showing a lot of money towards Penn State in this game. Uh, Penn State has some opt-outs, though. Olu Fashanu, who's going to be probably a top-five pick, their top offensive lineman's not going to play. Uh, there were some rumors that maybe defensive back Kalen King wouldn't play. He would opt out because he could be a first-round pick here as well out of Penn State. He's probably going to play. But honestly, I like Ole Miss in this game. I don't really understand why the money's coming in on Penn State here. James Franklin, the head coach at Penn State, doesn't beat anybody good. They don't beat Michigan. They don't beat Ohio State. They don't win their big non-conference games. And Ole Miss is a team, there's some momentum within that program. They've hit the transfer portal really, really hard here. They've shelled out a ton of NIL money because they're trying their best to compete with Alabama and LSU 
some of those teams there in the SEC West, not to mention you know Texas and Oklahoma now coming in for next season. So Ole Miss is really putting forth a concerted effort. Maybe some of the players that are on the current team aren't going to really show up in this game. I don't know. But I don't trust James Franklin against any good head coach, against any good football team, and Ole Miss is both. They have a good head coach in Lane Kiffin. They're a very talented team. I disagree with this line move quite a bit. I, I like Ole Miss in this game plus the points, and honestly, I think they win it down there in Atlanta. Oh, that's a, it's cool. That's a, a lot of people are kind of going that way too as well. Uh, Adam Burke with us on Sports 1440. I think for a lot of people, and everyone knows the story with you know Florida State being in the five hole and not making the top four. So, but everyone's basically saying that George is going to pump FSU anyway. So, wh- how do you see this game uh, shaking down in the Orange Bowl? Yeah, so Georgia's out to a 20-point oh. favorite in this game over Florida State. It's an undefeated Florida State team, 13-0, and but they have been ravaged by opt-outs and injuries here in this game. Obviously, quarterback Jordan Travis won't play after suffering that gruesome leg injury against North Alabama. But their top two wide receivers, including Keon Coleman, opted out. Their top pass rusher, Jared Verse, opted out. A bunch of guys are not playing this game for Florida State. Uh, and then you've got the college football playoff hangover. I mean, this is a team that felt like they should be the number four seed. They are not. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people question their motivation going into this Orange Bowl to begin with. And, I mean, look, they're a 20-point underdog with a total of 44. Their backup quarterback, Tate Rodemaker, is not going to play in this game either. So Brock Glenn, who started the ACC championship game against Louisville, will get the start. He didn't look very good in that game. The offense looked really, really bad. And Florida State's most impactful defensive players are out. I think a lot of people expect Georgia to be very upset losing late in the year to Alabama, and they're going to take it out on Florida State. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Georgia should win this game running away. There are some questions about how excited they are to be here because, look, Georgia's the back-to-back two-time national champion. You don't go into the season expecting to play a game like this. You expect to be in the playoff. So I think there are some questions about Georgia and how engaged they are, but this line and this line movement is pretty suggestive of the fact that Georgia may win this game 41-3 to or something like that. So I couldn't even take the 20 points with Florida State in this game. I just I don't think they can score here. Oh. Uh, okay, let's get to the uh, semifinals. So Alabama-Michigan, and we saw what Alabama did in uh, to, to Georgia in the SEC finals. So do you like Alabama in this one over Michigan? I do like Alabama in this game. I think the wrong team is favored here. I think Alabama should be favored. I set my own lines for college football. I have my own ratings for teams. And I do have Alabama a slight favorite here, just a half-point favorite. But I do think they should be favored in this game. Michigan's offense is not very good. They were they ran the table. They did what they were supposed to do. They played a pretty bad schedule overall outside of Penn State and Ohio State. I don't think Penn State's very good. And Ohio State from a box score standpoint, maybe should have won that game, but they had a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that matchup. But Michigan is a team that wants to run the football, wants to throw off a play action. I don't think you can do that against Alabama. Their defensive front is too good. Nick Saban has a ton of time to prepare. This is a team on par or maybe even a little bit better than Ohio State from a talent standpoint. And Michigan wasn't very decisive against the Buckeyes in that game. So mm-hmm. I think Alabama's ready to go. I think Jalen Milrow is remarkably difficult to defend because he can use his legs so effectively. I just don't think this is a good matchup for Michigan, not to mention in the game against Ohio State, they lost right guard Zach Zinter, who was probably going to be a first-round pick as an offensive lineman. So 
You take him out of the equation, it takes away a lot of Michigan's interior running style. I just don't think they match up well with the Crimson Tide. And I think Alabama wins this game. You know, I just never want to bet against a Nick Saban team. That's just kind of a rule. <laughs> but uh, in the yeah, other... No, uh, especially especially with all the extra prep time. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is a week after beating Georgia where you know it's kind of tough for the players to get back into it and all of that. It's about a month since they beat mm-hmm. Georgia. And Nick Saban, with additional prep time against a pretty limited offense, I, I think Alabama wins that game. I really do. And your thoughts, uh, Texas-Washington in the uh, Sugar Bowl? So I don't know if this is a great game to bet on, but I think this is a great game to watch. You have two very, very gifted offensive minds, offensive play callers here. Steve Sarkeesian for Texas, Kalen DeBoer for Washington. Two really good quarterbacks and Michael Penix Jr. for the Huskies and Quinn Ewers for the Longhorns. Two good running games, two good wide receiver groups. Washington's is definitely the better of the two. The question here is which defense ends up finding success because I think both offenses – can put up points in this game. The total is 63-and-a-half, so it is indicative of some scoring being done there at the Superdome. If we get the Washington team that beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, Washington's very alive to win this game. If we get the Washington team that kind of struggled throughout the month of November, then Texas will win this game. But I think Michael Penix was hurt after that first Oregon game. That forced the Huskies to find a running game, and that gave them a lot more balance than they had early on in the season So I think they're very dangerous here in this game. I would lean Washington plus the four. If I had to bet this game, if I was in a pool or something like that, I would take Washington plus four. But I think this could be an instant classic with two really, really good offenses. Um, Are there less opt-outs in this game than compared to some other bowl games? Do you know? Yeah, nobody opts out for the for the semifinals in the college football playoff. When, when you have a chance to win a national championship, you're going to be there, and that's the case for both of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody of consequence who's been healthy or been playing over the last you know couple of months uh, has opted out of this game. So it'll be all hands on deck, which is a really nice breath of fresh air because you can't say that about really any other bowl game. So, Adam, in the next, uh, what, three days or so, do you just uh... – you hunker down and you got, you know, 12, 14 hours of just watching straight bowl games or what? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of beers consumed <laughs> on the couch over over the bowl game period here. Uh, some of the games you need more beer than others to get through, uh, like Auburn, Maryland, I think would be an example. But, yeah, you got some really, really good matchups here. And, of course, you know, best time of the year for college football. So looking forward to a lot of these games, especially the two semifinals where – I know that people mm-hmm. say Florida State should be in, but honestly, these are the two best matchups that the college football playoff committee could have come up with. Well, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, all the best. Uh, thanks for jumping on today, and uh, Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Absolutely. Same to you guys. That's Adam Burke, Vizen Prime Time, and our game of the day for... St. Albert Dodge. It's home of the monthly $5,000 giveaway. You buy a vehicle. It's just simple. Buy a vehicle or refer a friend for a vehicle and already you're just like that you got a chance to win five thousand dollars check out stalbertdodge.com also they've just finishing wrapping up i'm sure they're not going to not accept it but if you've got a toy that you want to chuck in the uh, ram 1500 that uh, is uh, just to the left uh, of the big doors when you come in on st albert trail uh, drop it off uh, they're just it was just jammed uh, heaping over to give to the kids at salvation army and, and um, just a great cause for sure uh, when we come back it's are you in or are you out with the duke
surprised there was no. Uh, we never got to the other the breakfast uh, thing. Uh, you were. You said your second breakfast yeah. thing. Well, we were talking about breakfast. Oh, second, second breakfast. Second breakfast. Second yeah. breakfast. Yeah, Maybe we'll get that in there too. Yeah, I'm sure why not? We got some time. Okay, uh, that's <laughs> coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Tough to beat that, huh, Duke? That's uh, for hat trick Swayze. Yeah, that uh, that brings back some memories of it. Funny you're talking about it around the holidays here. Um, trips back and forth from uh, Hinton, where my mom's originally from, and where uh, her parents lived. Right. I up thought she was there. from Salcoats. Well, that like. Her family's oh. family is from there. That's where she was born when her uh, her parents were on holiday there uh, mm-hmm. one summer. Um, first time and last time she was ever early in her life. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, born, uh, raised in Hinton um, her whole life. Uh, so going back and forth, whether it was trips with the grandparents, maybe we were heading back up there after they were down here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandpa had a Stomp and Tom CD that like we just listened to that thing on repeat for the whole like five hour drive from Delburn to Hinton. <laughs> and I loved every second of it. Oh well, yeah. How can you not? Uh, I mean, I just, it's a Canadian icon, you know? And uh, oh, oh, so many laughs. Like that, like that song is like, how can you not chuckle yeah. as you listen to well, it? Well, the writing, I mean, the, the beat, the tone, the writing, the rhyming, like it just, everything's just on point. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We were talking about. I didn't say it, but it was Clowder from Gord Oil. This one comes from Tomato Soup. One of my pet peeves is the media and fans using players' nicknames. I think that is a dressing room thing, and that dictates should be limited limited to players and coaches. Uh, we didn't earn the right to use the nicknames. In my opinion, nicknames are a sacred player only club. From Tomato Soup. I think you find a lot of guys. Doing first names, doing play-by-play now. Um, mm, yeah. I think I'm not a big fan of that either. You hear it a lot. I mean, even, you know, you hear Leon, you hear Connor. Yes. You hear those guys. What about like, and this can be both to uh, you and uh, Tomato Soup. Soupy. Like, what about, about when soupy. The, the, name, the, <laughs> the names are hard to pronounce? Like in doing an NBA game, every time he gets the ball, it's like, on to Takumpo. Like, That's why they just go Giannis. 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 Yeah. Giannis has it at the perimeter. But it's funny, a lot of the, like, say the opposition team comes in. I don't think he calls him Giannis. It's the home broadcaster a lot more. And that goes without That's saying. That's probably true. It's a fair, it's a fair comment. I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, even if you look at a national, do a national game and you hear the, like, Chris Cutbert. I don't recall, like, just off the top of my head, Chris Cutbert isn't calling Connor Bedard, Connor, or Connor McDavid, Connor. Definitely not calling him Bedsy. Bedsy. Is that his nickname? You think? I, I think that's his nickname from what I've uh, seen. Nah. Is it really? I believe so. It, he's a hockey player, Kevin. That's what they do. Bedard, Bedsy. There you go. Congratulations. You have a nickname. Like, I thought, you know, I don't know. Did I ever tell you the story? It was in the playoffs, I guess, last year. And okay, we're in a scrum and it was with uh, Gene Principe. I was looking right at Gene, but I was interviewing Leon. It was a scrum and it was, uh, you know, plus I was on my phone trying to relay information to an editor back at Global. And I was looking at Gene sort of, but sort of looking at Leon as well. And I said, uh, hey, Lino. And, you know, I said, Lino, what do you think about whatever, da, 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 da. And there was a big pause, and he he just went, Lino. <laughs> like, and, and you'd be like, Yeah, that's your that's your new nickname. Yeah. New, your new nickname, Leon. Your Lino, Lino Dreisaitl. 
Uh, Sizzler comes in. Your whole, hey, Kev, your whole spell on cloudy and sunny was very dad-like. Sunny and cloudy, I guess. Who would be the third member of the line? I don't know. Someone like <laughs> overcast? You know, talk about nicknames. We don't have great names for lines. Like no, it stopped do. a lot of them. And like, it's, I mean, it's also because like coaches throw the team in a whole team in a blender more than ever in history, I think. But like, man, like the production line, I think my all time favorite Legion, Legion of, Doom. of Doom. That like that is mm-hmm. all time. So good. Gord Oil says it's okay, tomato soup. They won't hear you say their nickname. <laughs> I don't know. You, you should. I don't know. You should. Should I not call you tomato soup? That comes from Gord, Gord Oil and Tomato Soup are getting into it. It's good. Nothing like a little, you know, we're going into the new year here. Yeah. You know? we, let's get is, a little, uh, let's get some clashing going on. We can get some uh, some spice into the text line here to wrap up uh, the final hour and 14 minutes of the show. And, we're gonna, and then start anew and fresh in yeah. 2024. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, that's a movie, Kevin. Okay. What? Uh, cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Who's this from? Coach Sheldor? Yeah. Sunny, cloudy, and meatball. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Thanks, Coach Sheldor. I don't know. So, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a movie? Yeah, I've never like heard a, of it. I've never actually seen it. Huh. I think it even got a sequel. Um, what it actually was, a like, I actually think, like, food came out of the sky. It was an an, a kid's movie, animated. Like, we had, I remember back just, you know, playing hockey, we had, there was a guy named Mike Shand, but he was a big guy. And we just, we saw him wolf down like a pot roast. So we called him pot called roast him pot or roast. potty. Yeah. Hey, potty. <laughs> uh, time now for Are You In or Are You Out? We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. Final edition of In or Out for 2023. Kevin Carius. It's kind of sad. Is it? Maybe we'll come back tomorrow. You guys, you and Connor can come back. We'll work a Saturday. How's that sound? Oh, well, unless uh, unless the Oilers fire their coach again, don't uh, no. expect to see me uh, in here on a weekend anytime. I think you and Connor could use a few days off. Come back on Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Which actually, funny enough, we'll maybe get to that uh, with the final question here and actually my, my full opinion on okay. this coming weekend. But uh, let's start with the Oilers' five nothing win last night in San Jose. Ryan McLeod two points for a third straight contest. I'm saying uh, by the season's end, Ryan McLeod will have set a new career high in goals. I am 100% in on this. It's not even a debate for me. He's only got uh, he's got six 11s as career high. Correct. Correct. Not even a debate. If he stays even, oh, if he plays 10 more games, left wing with Leon Dreisaitl, he might he might hit 10 in in like 10 goals total in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he's on a heater. He's hot. He's got confidence. No question in my mind, he sets a career high. Uh, I Yeah, I agree. The uh, I mean, obviously 11 isn't a, a huge benchmark to try and eclipse, especially for a guy that is considered, you know, a, middle six forward at best but like you just said opportunity i think will lend itself very well and i mean hey ride the hot hand mm-hmm. as long as it is still hot and then when when k moves into the third line center you know that's you know just and wins, uh, and wins the selkie trophy yes 
you know, we're all, I'm surprised that isn't a question here. Gordoyle could probably come in and, are you in or you're out, he can, uh, he can run in or out next yeah. week. Uh, number two for you, two weekend games in SoCal for the Oilers, uh, Saturday in Los Angeles and Sunday squaring <laughs> off with the Ducks. Uh, I'm saying Sunday's game versus Anaheim will be the closer in terms of final score. It will be the closer of the two games. Can't agree with you here, Duke. Sorry, it's your Ducks, but I'm out on ducks this. Ducks are hot. Oh. Big win over Vegas. Yeah, but I mean, Vegas didn't... Look at how... Vegas played a lot better last night. They sure did. Having said that, I mean, the Kings pressed at the end. Could have easily tied that game, sent it to overtime. So, uh, but Anaheim's a shade, just a tiny shade above the Sharks. Just barely above the Sharks. Oh, that's... that's, that's I know. That's it's a hard for you to listen to. It's hard on you, but maybe, that's the way it yeah, is. Okay. Well, I mean... We'll, we will see, we'll Kevin. See. I mean, Johnny Gibson's playing for maybe a trade. Maybe he wants to get out of there. So, but I, I mean, I just don't see... I mean, the Kings game is going to be closer. Uh, so what, if the Kings game is a goal either way, then the Oilers will win by two you, or you whatever. Are, well, here's what I... Th- I think the Oilers will actually win pretty handily tomorrow night. Um, against the Kings. Against the Kings. Okay. That, that's a team that the Oilers have their number. Like, it, it's two straight. The games are close. All the, the games that they played exactly. against them. But this, uh, I think it'll open up a little okay. bit. It'll open up. And then uh, on Sunday, they might come in, take the Ducks a little too lightly on their back-to-back, and it'll be a a, a contested affair. Okay. How's that? Uh, number three for us. Uh, if you look down uh, the list of the statistical leaders for goaltenders in each category, top three in uh, goals against Aiden Hill, Cam Talbot, Jeremy Swayman, uh, Charlie Lindgren, Thatcher Demko, Tristan Jari, all elsewhere in the top 10. Uh, similar type list in the save percentage and his shutouts and wins. As a result of all this combined, even with guys like Connor Hellebuck and Jonathan Quick in the mix, uh, I'm saying there will be a first-time Vesna Trophy winner this season. I'll agree with you on this one. I'm going to say I am in. I am in. There will be a first-time Vesna winner. It could be. I, I don't know if it can be. <sighs> Jeremy Swayman? <laughs> Well, I know you hate Boston goalies, but they're right in there with all the numbers. But I, I probably, if I'm picking a Vezina winner right now, I'm probably taking Thatcher Demko. I would as well. So, but I think Cam Talbot uh, probably isn't getting enough shine. I agree. He could be there as well. He, he's obviously going to get some votes. Leads the He's 211, 193 for Aiden Hill for goals against. But I, I just think with the amount of games played, Vancouver where they are. If Vancouver can keep yeah. this up, which uh, we talked about it with Speck, uh, or the camera was yesterday or today or whatever. Forgive me for uh, my days being 12 mm-hmm. hours long, um, oh. mixing, mixing up the oh. programs, but that's okay. Um, talked about it with somebody saying that uh, Van- we did not think Vancouver would keep this up this long. So who's to say they cannot keep it up the entirety of the season? Um, maybe, it, it, t- maybe last night's the start of a little bit of a slide a for the Canucks. Slide. Well, I mean, hey, if you're going to have a slide, this isn't too bad of a time to do it. Kind of the uh, the dog days mm-hmm. of winter, um, coming out of the uh, holiday season into the, uh, you know, the blues, um, blue Monday mm-hmm. is that what it's called? The first Monday after uh, after, after New, New Year's, Year's or something. Yeah. But, so it's the following, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, so whatever the case, uh, yeah, I, I I think Demko is also my front runner, but it will obviously depend a lot on the Canucks keeping this up mm-hmm. and allowing him to uh, play behind a good team. Another, uh, you know, if Pittsburgh goes on a bit of a roll here. Tristan Jari's in the conversation, too. Absolutely. Uh, number four, we just chatted with Adam Burke about all the bowl games, uh, culminating with the two college football semifinals on a Sunday. National final will take place the following Monday, January 8th. Uh, I'm saying the final will be Alabama, the Crimson Tide, scoring off with 
the Washington Huskies. I'm out on this one, Duke, because I'm going to just stay with my pick the way it's been all the, you know, for the last several weeks, basically since the top four were announced. And I said, uh, right when it was announced, I said, I'll go with Alabama beating Michigan, and I'm going to go with Texas uh, uh, beating Washington to move on to the championship bowl game. So, and, and, and I still say Alabama will win. So, but I'm going to go Texas wins. Alabama wins, and that's who I'm going with. You're going. You, you like Washington here. They, they've impressed me all season. I, I still can't understand how they were like nine point underdogs to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game after they'd already beat Oregon that season. Um, Michael Pettis Jr. is a dynamic player. I've really liked it uh, what I've seen from him. So I'm I'm high on uh, high on Washington, and mm-hmm. Texas can't be back. It's impossible. Why? What do you mean? <laughs> that's like that's their thing. It's like, oh, Texas is back. Oh, but, you know, oh. back to when they were uh, co- consistent national title contenders. Yeah, they are not back. Is that Matthew McConaughey? He's on the sidelines. He is the well. I don't know if he's on the sidelines, but he's their uh, minister of culture. What does that mean? You know, I don't know. I saw him one game running down the sidelines, and it just made me want to puke. <laughs> You're not a McConaughey guy, or what? Well, be a fan. You don't need to pretend that you are involved in the team in the sense that if you're running down the, like that's what a coach does like if you know you see a pick six going they what, should you, get him a headset no he can get in on no call some no spe- no no calling some special teams plays stay in your j-lo movies and whatever else it is but don't you just let the team run itself he was great in the lincoln lawyer that was a great yeah. film what was the movie where he was the he was a quarterback got his leg broken and then did the odds with uh uh, he he said odds. He was uh, an odds maker for with Al Pacino. Oh, was, I don't know. Oh, you'd love the movie. I'm sure I would because he was basically the guy that, um, you know. And this is a long time ago, so this is just when gambling, like on TV yeah, websites yeah. and things, were going on. Wasn't taboo to. No, but uh, I got to find out the, the name of that movie. Uh, anyway, someone's going to send it in to us. So, but anyway, he he breaks his leg. He's in college and he's got nothing to do. He starts setting lines. Al Pacino finds him and he starts working for Pacino. And I think, uh, who else was in there? Rene Russo. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Two for the Two money. Two for the money. Thanks, Mitchell. Based on Stu Finer. Stu Finer. Yeah, the source. There you go. Stu Finer, the source. Based on uh, Stu, yeah, two for the money. Alrighty, last one for you, Kevin. And uh, looping back to where we started this conversation, it is New Year's Eve, Sunday night. Uh, nice early game for the Oilers. Six o'clock our time starts, so you can watch it and then partake in your festivities, whatever you're up to. But uh, probably not much for me. I think that New Year's Eve is the most overrated holiday celebration on the entire calendar. <sighs> The resolutions, the fireworks, the champagne. Oh, who are you going to kiss at midnight? It, it is all pomp and circumstance for nothing more than a calendar <laughs> turning over. You know, when everyone asks me the resolutions, I always say that I'm going to put on 20 pounds, start smoking, and drink more. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose so much money gambling yeah. this year <laughs> responsibly. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest on this one, Duke. I'm probably impartial to it, but I, what, I can tell you this. Working till midnight... For 33 years, many, many New Year's Eve's night, I worked till midnight or whatever, 11, 30, 12, then would go out. Yeah. It was the worst night ever to go out at that time because... Oh, if you're not in it from the start, everybody's already... And it's amateur hour. The people that are out on New Year's Eve... They floor it too early. They can't handle their booze. They get right out of it. They make fools of themselves. 
And then you go out and see them at midnight and you go, man, I was probably one of those people. <laughs> back back in your back in your heyday, right? Kev? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I spent a couple of New Year's Eve like out in the sticks at uh, Bruno Hall just outside uh, Monday or not Monday. Um, yeah. Well, out in the East Country anyway. Um, and uh, we, it was just like, yeah, small community hall in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bring in our own fireworks pour your own drinks. Yeah. It was a it was a festive festive event, but like that's what I was like 18, 19 years old, man. Like yeah. anymore, like this this coming Sunday night, I'll probably go over back to my uh friend that I used to live with in Fort Sask, go over there, watch the mm-hmm. Ducks Oilers game, maybe have a few drinks. Yeah. It's if a we, normal if, night. If we make it to midnight, yeah. I'll be shocked. I won't make it till midnight anymore. Um <sighs> Did you ever crack a bottle of strawberry angel? I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, you know, here, I'll I'll let you explain what that is. What we would pop, and this is back to like we were in university, dirt broke all the time. Mm-hmm. Baby duck is Baby like duck, is, yeah, is the yeah. is what was, everybody talks about. Baby duck tastes terrible. It's it, awful. It, but bambino spumante bambino it costs the same as baby duck it's right beside in the liquor store it is actually not too bad like for for an eight dollar bottle of champagne or sparkling wine if you uh you want to be specific like compared to baby duck it tastes like uh like the best you've ever had i can't see like the strawberry angel would be right next to the baby duck duke that's where we're talking as well and maybe it was just a maybe it's discontinued but it would it was awful just like Baby Duck is awful. Peel paint off the walls oh. uh, type awful. Well, the, just the, you have the sweet, the tart, you got it all, and then it's just fizzing down your throat. And, of course, you know, this is a long time ago. You're not just sipping this, baby. You no. know, you're, 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 you're tilting it back. Chugging this thing. And, 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 and then the other thing, too, when you start chugging it out of the bottle, all that foam would just start all well, over. And that's, and, so that's the thing. When you get a bad bottle... Really shake it up mm-hmm. before you pop that cork so you spill as much of it as yeah. possible so you don't have to drink it because it tastes like gasoline. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention, too, we got a t- I got a text in from Slats, our exec prod, uh, and he was mentioning that uh, also Matthew McConaughey was in We Are Marshall, of course. Yes. J- Jack Langell. Yeah. Uh, he he's, was, he's been in tons of stuff. He, Dallas sure. Buyers Club, he's great. Yeah, I think he's just talking about football movies, right? I don't know. If, so he's two for the money and We Are Marshall. <laughs> Some guy it says uh, amateur hour, such a hawk. This is coming. This is a cut of two of our of one of my friends. So I think I'm being put in the amateur hour with uh, the hawk who's in town. Actually, uh, when we come back, we'll have some open time. I'm sure we're going to be talking about baby duck and strawberry angel as we head into our final show, final hour of uh, the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440. It's it's new for the new year. It's exciting to have a year end. And then you've got another 12 hours of work yet to go today, Duke. No, no, I'm down to seven. Eight. Ah, yeah, probably. Yeah, you're not, you got eight hours, man. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. But first, here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.